Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you out. I want to begin this morning by commending you. I want you to know it encourages my heart to see so many men out on an early Sunday morning. Uh, I know you're not here just for the biscuits and the donuts and the coffee. Uh, You could have those at home, that is, if your wife and doctor will let you. Uh, I realize this morning you're here because of your commitment uh, to this brotherhood group, uh, your commitment to this church, and most of all, your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know uh, I commend you, and I thank and I'm honored to be your pastor. I love you men, and I know that you love me and my family, and I truly thank you for that. Uh, if you have your Bible want to follow along this morning, we'll be in Genesis chapter 37. And no, I'm not forgetting, I just preached from Genesis 37 last Sunday. Uh, but as I was studying and thinking about my time here, something uh, came to my attention, and I just kind of reserved that back for our time here today. Um, you know, today in the news and the media, all the talk, as, as Bucky just mentioned before he prayed, is really about two things right now. Number one is the election. And when you're not hearing about the election, you're hearing about the economy, those two things. And uh, we all are feeling the effects upon that. Uh, It hurts a little bit in your back pocket when you go to the gas station now. It hurts when you go to the grocery store. And I I did a little research this past week just out of curiosity, and I don't want to discourage you, but I look back at how much uh, gasoline costs beginning 30 years ago, and then I ran the numbers 20 years ago and then 10 years ago. Now, don't uh, there may be a little bit of discrepancy here when you go to research things. And just know I read this on the Internet, so it has to be true. Okay? But no, in all reality, I got it from various sites and various sources. And there would be a little discrepancy, I'm sure. I didn't have a master list I was working on. But in 1978, 30 years ago, uh, you were paying somewhere between 48 cents and 63 cents per gallon of gasoline. That's how far your dollar would go. Then in 1988, just 20 years ago, uh, the figure that I got was a dollar and eight cents a gallon. Here's where the discrepancy may come in, and maybe some of you guys have records going back this far, and you can correct me in case I ever want to speak on this again. But 10 years ago, the price that I got was a dollar six per gallon. Uh, so it kind of shows you where we are, how things have changed. Times have changed. But I didn't really come to talk to you this morning about the price of uh, gasoline or Uh, the price of a cup of coffee, I want to share with you, in reality, how much you could get, how far your dollar could go a long time ago, how much you could get for only 20 pieces of silver. I want to read one verse to get us started this morning. It's in Genesis chapter 37, and it's the 28th verse. The Bible says, Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, we spent some time last Sunday studying that passage and seeing the sin of these brothers and all that was entailed in that. But the obvious answer for what you could get for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites was they could get one young man as a slave. And by the way, when they got Joseph, they got a bargain. But, you know, if you remember, Joseph, or or rather Jacob, had 12 sons. At this time, Benjamin, being young, would still be at home with dad, obviously. Then you had Joseph that had been sent on this errand, and you'd have 10 brothers out in the field. 
You remember they sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. And Reuben was not present at the moment they sold Joseph. He came back later to try to get Joseph out of the pit and he wasn't there. But assuming that Reuben got his cut, think about that, guys. You have 20 pieces of silver. You have 10 brothers. In all fairness, if they all got their fair cut, they all got two pieces of silver. And I want to show you what they got for their two pieces of silver today. First of all, they got a brother in bondage. They were tired of Joseph. They were tired of this dreamer. They were tired of this little guy who was telling them about how he was dreaming these wonderful dreams where they were going to bow down to him. And they got rid of him with a little money to boot. They got a brother in bondage. Secondly, they got a broken hearted father. As we keep reading and we come down to verse 31, it says, and they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the blood in the, or dipped the uh, coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Think about that. The cold heartedness there of ripping up this coat and tearing it up as an animal would and dipping it in blood, just bringing it, presenting it to their father. Verse 34, and Jacob rent or tore his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And verse 35 is very interesting. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. Now, think about that. They're the ones that had done this dirty deed. They're the ones that really put this anguish upon their father. And they have the audacity to try to rise up and comfort him. But it says he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept. For him, all the while they knew the truth, all the while they knew they had done this dirty deed. But for two pieces of silver each, they got a brother in bondage. They got a broken hearted father. And thirdly, I want to say to you today, they got a burden of guilt to carry with them every day of their life. Think about that. We, we fast forward in Genesis to chapter 42 And we find at uh, verse 21, we find these words. Chapter 42 and verse 21. And they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and he would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. Even these years later, when they came to present themselves to Joseph, and they started realizing, hey, some things are going on here. Some things are happening. We're not very comfortable. They say, here's why it's happening. That guilt is still there. And even years later, even after Jacob is gone off the scene, Jacob has passed away. When you get to the very end in chapter 50, it's very interesting. Verse 15 says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us of all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. 
for they did unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. That's what they did. They said, hey, hey, here's what dad said. Apparently that guilt, that fear is still there. But look at what it says at the end of that verse. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of, uh, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly. And to them, can you imagine the guilt that took place every time they heard their father speak of Joseph? They thought they had sold Joseph into slavery. They did. But actually what they did, they bought for themselves chains of guilt that they wore around day in and day out. This story we read about here of them selling their brother is shocking every time we read it. They sold their half-brother into slavery. They sold a member of their family into slavery for some dirty money. We can't even read this passage without looking ahead in the New Testament and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sold for 30 pieces of silver by Judas Iscariot. But let me ask you this morning, men, what price will you take for your family? What price will you take for your family? Now, I'm not talking about slavery. But we realize today that men, many men will sell out their families for all sorts of things. Some guys, they'll sell out their family for a job or a career. They think this way. They say these types of things. I've got to climb the ladder. I've got to spend all my time at the office. I'm doing it for my family so they can have a better life. As soon as I get that next promotion or that next raise, I'll cut back. I know I don't see my wife and children hardly at all. But they understand I'm doing it for them. And guys will sell out their families for a job or a career. Some guys sell out their families for lust. For lust. I know I shouldn't flirt with her, but my wife, well, she's preoccupied with the children. I know I shouldn't look at this pornography again, but... You know, uh, who's it going to hurt in in all reality? Well, we're only discussing business. I know we shouldn't be spending all this time together, but we're both adults and I'm a big boy. and I can handle temptation that comes my way. And guys will sell out their families for lust. Some guys sell out their families for drugs and alcohol. Only one more and I'm done. (laughs) I can quit any time I want to. I'm a big boy. I can drink a little bit if I want to. I work hard. It's my money. I can spend some of it on booze or a joint every now and then. And they sell out their family for drugs or alcohol. Some guys will even sell out their families for their friends and their buddies. Well, we always spent time together before we got married. She knew that. She ought to understand. Well, I've invited her to come with me and spend time. She can get a babysitter if she really wanted to. I've got to have my fun. I've got to have my fun. And I'm sure as we think about this list of things that men will sell their families out for, we could add easily to this list. And I want to point out all these things are not necessarily within themselves bad. 
We, we have to work. We ought to work. It's a privilege to work and be able to provide for our families. That's an honorable thing. That's a God-given thing. It's good to have friends and buddies who will build us up and lift us up and encourage us. Those are good things. But even these right things carried to the extreme can be very harmful. What is it that you're willing to take in the place of your family? What will you sacrifice your wife and children for? For many men, it boils down to one thing. And that one thing is money. 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 You know, we often think about, or Scripture asks the question, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? I thought about this, this as I was preparing. What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and he loses his family? I realize this morning it's even possible for a man who is in ministry, a man who is an evangelist, a pastor, some other full-time ministry, to sell out his family for the sake of the ministry. I mean, it's a constant guard that I even must keep up because the ministry is all-consuming. It can be. There's always another visit that needs to be made. There's always another phone call you need to make. There's always a counseling session waiting. There's always a visit to the hospital. There's always a sermon waiting. On and on and on. And after all, you're serving the Lord. But really, are you? When it means that you have to sacrifice your family. And I've had to make some adjustments, even in recent days, in my schedule and the things that I'm doing. To make sure that my family gets the proper time. And I want all of us this morning, for just a few minutes, to do a little checkup. And to look at our priorities. And to look at how things should be. And be honest with ourselves. You're sitting there and I want you to be honest with yourself. We talk about these things. And and see exactly where we are in regards to our priorities. The other week I was... On Ray Pritchard's, he's a preacher, he used to be a pastor, he's got a ministry now called Keep Believing, and he does a lot of speaking all, all over the country and all over the world, but on his blog he posted Warren Wiersbe's definition of ministry. And I want to share it with you this morning. It's one sentence. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Let me say that again. Ministry take pl- takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And I want to submit to all of us today and remind all of us today that your first ministry is to your family. Your first ministry is to your family. My first ministry is to my family. And I say that, guys, without reservation. I say that as your pastor. <laughs> Some might say, well, aren't you a little bit nervous telling people that, you know, their first ministry is to their family. Maybe they'll, they'll leave church or go different things. No. Because I realize if a man's first ministry is truly his family, and he's seeking to glorify God in his family, then you know what? His ministry here at Red Hill Baptist Church is going to be what it ought to be, and it will fall where it ought to be. You see, if you're really ministering to your family, 
you're going to make sure that you bring your family to church. You're going to make sure that your family and yourself, you're involved in church. And notice I said you bring them to church. See, leading your family spiritual is not saying make sure you go to church or, hey, go for your mama to church. No, a real man's going to say, hey, come with me to church. He's going to lead the way. He's going to be the example. We get to the point where our whole philosophy in, in parenting and in our marriage is do as I say and not as I do. We're in trouble, guys. We need to be the example. If we really wanted to get technical this morning, we could break it down even further and say this. Your first ministry is the ministry of marriage. And your second ministry is the ministry of parenting. Think about that. I'll be honest. It was many years before I ever thought about my marriage as a ministry. Honestly. It wasn't until I went to a, uh, a, a couple's retreat that we had at a church we were involved in in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And as a church, we had uh, uh, rented out a, a bed and breakfast there. And a lot of us couples went. We had a speaker in by the name of Jim Benny. And his theme was the ministry of marriage. And Jim even wrote a book by that very title, The Ministry of Marriage. And I never thought about it in that light. Marriage as a ministry. And not only is your marriage a ministry, but parenting is also a ministry. And it's a very challenging ministry, <laughs> to say the least. For remember, where is his definition of ministry? Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. My Christian brother, we are not alone in these areas. Praise God. We have the Lord Jesus. We have God to call upon. We have the word of God before us. And we realize today then we're to glorify God as a husband. We're to glorify God as a dad. And when you think about that, some of you guys are about ready to go get another cup of coffee, aren't you? That's a challenge. This is serious but joyous business to realize that we have a ministry in front of us. Our first ministry is the ministry of marriage. Our second ministry is the ministry of parenting. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to sit down and list out in writing your roles in life and a mission statement in life. Don't let this just kind of go over. Don't say, no, I'm, I'm too old for this or I'm too young for this or, you know, I've already been doing so many things. So I'm not going to take time for this. I want you to hear me today. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to list out in writing or type them out if you're more orientated that way. Your roles in life and your mission statement. Now, some folks would call their mission statement in life their goals in life or their life goals. And a mission statement really does talk about goals and things. But I think what happens is a mission statement is that overarching theme and many goals will flow out of that. So I prefer roles, a mission statement, and then goals in the various different areas of life. And to get you started this morning, I want to share with you my roles, and my mission statement. And I do this not because mine is perfect or mine is the ultimate example, but that's the one I know. And the idea is not to copy mine or whatever. The idea is to get some ideas in your own life and find what God would have you to do. After this morning, after today, when I'm done, you're going to know what I'm seeking to do with my life. You're going to know what I'm about as a person, as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor. Let me start out, first of all, with my mission statement in life. And it may sound familiar. 
because in actuality, it's the same mission statement that I wrote for Red Hill Baptist Church. Hopefully you've seen it. It's been on the web. It's been all over the place as we have promoted it. And I introduced it to the young adult class in our next step uh, sessions. And some had not seen it. They didn't know anything about it. But very simply, the mission statement for this church and the one for my life is glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the gospel. Glorify God. And that's the overarching thing. Everything that we're to do is to glorify God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Grow more like Jesus. That's discipleship. That's maturing. That's ministry. That's all kinds of things. And of course, go with the gospel is about evangelism. In fact, if you pick up my church business card on the very front, it says glorify, go and grow. If you flip that card over on the back, it says glorify God, grow more like Jesus and go with the gospel. Every time I handle one of these, every time I hand this to somebody, every time I see that, I'm reminded what my mission in life is all about. Glorify God, grow more like Jesus and go with the gospel. And that's the mission statement of our church as well. Now, when we talk about roles, I don't know what comes to your mind. You might be thinking about Ryan's and some buttery rolls or some jelly rolls even this morning. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about the various responsibilities that we have. And these four I'm going to share with you about my life. I think I first heard them from David Jeremiah. I think he's the one that first gave these four. I've never been able to document that. I've never been able to find it in print. But I think one day I was listening to him on the radio, and I remember him saying these four things. And I've kind of borrowed them from him because they fit But my four roles I want to talk to you about today are the fact that I'm a person, I'm a partner, I'm a parent, and I'm a pastor. By the way, your roles, you may have more roles. You may have less for guys maybe that aren't married or don't have children. These are not the ideal here. This is just what applies to me. The first one applies to all of us. I'm a person. I'm a person. You're relieved about that, aren't you? You thought, well, I'm not sure what you were, but now we know you're a person, you're a human This deals with my relationship with God and my relationship with myself. It deals with personal needs and responsibilities. Under this falls the idea of care of your body, your mind, your emotions, those sorts of things. And and as a person, guess what my mission is? It's to glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the gospel. That's what I as a person, as Rodney Clements, that's what I want to do. I want to glorify God. I find that laid out in Scripture. I want to grow more like Jesus. I find that laid out in Scripture. I want to go with the gospel. That's scriptural. Then secondly, this morning, I'm a partner. And that deals with my relationship with my wife, my marriage. The ministry of marriage. Of course, marriage will mature you, will it not? At least we hope it will. Ministry of marriage. And as a partner, as a married couple, guess what I want our mission to be? Glorify God. Grow more like Jesus. And as a couple, go with the gospel. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the gift of my wife and the role that she plays and the ministry that God has committed to us. And I'm thankful that from day one, we've served God together. We began even before we were married and serving God together. So I'm a person, I'm a partner, thirdly, I'm a parent. And of course, this deals with my relationship with my kids. 
the ministry of parenting. And I think, uh, I think that the Lord gave us children for many reasons. They're a blessing of the Lord, but they're also uh, a lesson in humility, patience, maturity, all those things. And as a parent, what do I want to do? I want to glorify God. I want to grow more like Jesus. And I want us as a family to go with the gospel. And by the way, I realize where I need to go with that, and that's to two little boys when they understand that they are sinners and they understand they need a Savior. It's my desire. It's my prayer even now. When they come to that point, they'll trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, and we as a family will go with the gospel. And then fourth of this morning, I'm a pastor. And this deals with my vocation. The ministry that God has given to me. This deals with Red Hill Baptist Church. This deals with you and your families. And as a pastor, guess what I want to do? I want to glorify God. I want to grow more like Jesus. And I want to go with the gospel. As a church, our mission is to do what? We're to glorify God. We're to grow more like Jesus. We're to go with the gospel. Do you see what I mean about the roles of life and your mission statement? Now, I'll be honest with you. Those things are very broad. Those things are not perfect. Okay? The way I have it all worded out. I haven't put everything down. It's very broad, but I've got a goal. I've got something I'm aiming at. I know what my target is. And out of those roles and out of your mission statement are going to come various roles and and activities and responsibilities. Let me illustrate that. I know one of my roles is a pastor. Okay? And I know that deals with my relationship, my vocation, uh, you folks, the church here. I know what my mission is in that, to glorify God and to grow more like Jesus and go with the gospel. But out of that comes some goals and some responsibilities. What would fall under pastoring or being a pastor? Well, several things. Prayer would be one of the responsibilities. Preaching the word. Pastoral care, visiting and, and shepherding. Preparing others for ministry, equipping the saints. Participation with others in ministry, our local Baptist Association, our state convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, participating with others. Can you tell I like alliteration? Everything's lined up there. Four P's and all those were P's. But you know what? Even out of those responsibilities then can flow some goals. Say, what do you mean, preacher? One of my responsibilities is prayer. It's one of your responsibilities as well. And I might have a goal under that and say, you know what, my goal is I want to pray 30 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day or 10 minutes a day. You see what I'm saying now? We have our roles in life. All of us do. Yours are going to be somewhat different from mine. You have those roles. You have that mission statement. That governing thing that tells what you're about, what their overarching theme is. Then you have responsibilities under each one of those roles as a husband. As a father, as a whatever it is that you do for a living. And then even out of that come further goals that would flow out of those responsibilities. The idea is not to make it super technical. The idea is not to make it difficult. No, the idea here, listen, is to know who you are and what God wants you to be. That's the idea. To know who you are and what God wants you to be. A prayer that I prayed many times, guys, is this. God Please help me to be the man that you want me to be. 
please help me to be the man that you want me to be. Why do you pray that, preacher? Because the world wants me to be a different kind of man. There are those even within the body of Christ that would say, you need to be like this, you need to be like that. Here's the way to do it. Here's what you need to be doing. And you know what I'm concerned about? God, what do you want me to be doing? God, help me to be the man that you want me to be. To know who you are and to know what God wants you to do and be and to do it. It's that simple. It's that simple. What is success? Think about that for a moment. How would you define? Don't do it verbally, but just in your mind's eye. And say it in your own mind. How would you define success? We know the way the world defines success. Well, I want to submit to you that success is doing the will of God. That is success. Doing the will of God. You'll see later on this morning, if you do decide to come back for church after hearing this, because you might think, well, I've already heard one sermon today, so I'm good. But if you come back at 11 o'clock, You'll see today how you can be a slave and be a success. You don't have to have the corner office. You don't have to have the big expense account. You don't have to have a fancy title. You be God's man wherever he's placed you. Do what he has you to do and what he wants you to do. And friend, you are a success in God's eyes. Not only about you, but I'm more concerned about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. I want to be a success in his eyes. I always have to remember this, beloved. You know, I can have a big ministry, I'm the biggest church around, but what will it profit me if I lose my family? If I sacrifice them? So I believe these duties, these responsibilities, these roles, they don't have to conflict. They can mesh perfectly in the will of God. And together, I can glorify God in all the areas, all the roles in life. You can be the greatest whatever it is that you do. You fill in the blank. The greatest, the biggest, the richest, the most famous. But what will it profit you? What is it worth if you lose your family? I want to close with this. How many of you ever heard of a guy, a fellow named Billy Sunday? Anybody ever hear Billy Sunday? Yeah, a few of you. He was a great evangelist from days gone by. He was a fiery preacher. He used to be a professional baseball player. Uh, he was fast on the basis, for sure. Very interesting life. And he had great crusades. But I want you to listen to some words that John MacArthur had in one of his messages. Now, I had heard this before about Billy Sunday, but let me give it to you in MacArthur's words. He said, you can be insensitive to the people around you in a tragic way. I think of Billy Sunday, the great evangelist. All of his children died in unbelief. All of them. Utterly insensitive to the ones around him while he was winning the world. There are many pastors and evangelists and Christian people who aren't even listening to what's going on in their own house. The people around them who are so oriented to tasks, they miss the people. And we can live that way. We're so oriented toward the task. We miss the people. Billy Sunday, this great evangelist, all of his children died and went to hell. I did a little further research on Billy Sunday, and I came up with this. The Sunday's three sons pampered, but largely reared by strangers. Just, just process that for a moment. Pampered, but largely reared by strangers, embarrassed their parents with their errant lifestyles. 
George was arrested for drunkenness and auto theft before he committed suicide in 1932. Think about that. Billy Jr. died in an automobile accident in 1938. And Paul, a test pilot, died in an airplane crash in 1944. And furthermore, their oldest child, Helen, though happily married, developed a degenerative disease and died of pneumonia in 1932. The majority of their children met tragic deaths. But even more tragic is the fact that their dad was out preaching the gospel to multiply tens of thousands of people day in and day out. While his own children, according to that, were reared by strangers, lived ungodly lifestyles, and died and went to hell. Now, if that doesn't grip you today, something's wrong. I don't know about you, but that gets a hold of my attention. I want to say to you again, guys, your first ministry, my first ministry, our first ministry is to our families. It's to our families. The ministry of marriage, the ministry of parenting. Let's seek to be godly men in all the areas, all the roles of our life. If you've never done this before, get along with the Lord. Spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, would you make it clear exactly what it is you want me to do with my life, no matter what your age. Come up with a mission statement, then start listing out those various roles. Yours are going to be somewhat different than mine. And say, God, help me to live for you in each and every one of these. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but loses his family? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your blessings. Father, we thought about some very sobering things today. Father, thank you for the way that you were with Joseph and worked in his life and brought great good through even the sins of his brothers. Father, help us in the various roles and capacities of life that we serve. And Lord, the places that you have put us. Father, my prayer for each and every man here today and in our church is, Lord, help us to be godly men. To be godly husbands. To be godly dads. To be true leaders, spiritual leaders in our homes. Father, I thank you for these men being here on an early Sunday morning. And the love they have for you. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to encourage one another, to love one another. And Lord, most of all, to glorify you in every area of our life. We praise you and thank you now in the Savior's name. Amen.